0: So, we are in our uh, Jesus is King series, and today I'm going to be preaching a message that may sound similar to some of the other messages I have preached. I am. 42 years old, and I believe that I will continue to be preaching this message for the next 40 years in a different way. Because this is the message that I don't think we can just hear once. We need to hear it regularly to keep us inspired, um, to pe- keep reaching people for Jesus, and and especially around Christmas time. I wanted to share a message like this just to remind us um, of what our mission is during this time, this season, where for you know the whole we're, we're we're all gathering around this christmas season and and then helping people understand the true reason for christmas you know the christmas season is where we celebrate the birth of our savior jesus christ and so many people don't know what we're actually celebrating at christmas time but that is the true reason of christmas and why we get to celebrate and so jesus was born And we celebrate that at Christmas. And Jesus, what's so amazing about that is Jesus actually was born to die on a cross for our sins. Jesus was born with a mission to die. That was his mission. And the scripture tells us that this was his mission. Because in Luke 19.10, it says, For the Son of Man came, Jesus came to seek and save the lost. First Timothy 2, five through six says, for there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself a ransom for all to be testified in due time. And then John 1, 29, when John the Baptist sees Jesus drawing near, he points it at him and says, look, the lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. So Jesus was born on a mission to be the sacrificial lamb without spot or blemish, to take on the full weight, the full burden, all of the sins we have ever committed, take the weight of those upon himself, taking our place as a ransom to die for us so that we could be forgiven, set free, healed, and delivered. And when Jesus was hanging on that cross, it says in John 19, 28 through 30, After this, Jesus knowing that all things were now accomplished, everyone say accomplished, that the scripture might be fulfilled said, I thirst. Now a vessel full of sour wine was sitting there and they filled a sponge with sour wine, put it on hyssop and put it to his mouth. So when Jesus received the sour wine, he said, it is finished and bowing his head, he gave up his spirit. Jesus finished the mission he was born to do. The title of my message this morning is Mission Accomplished. Mission Accomplished. So while Jesus was born with a mission to die for us on the cross in our place, when we as believers get born again into the family of God, we inherit a mission to be the salt and light and an ambassador for Christ in the earth, making disciples of all the nations. And at the end of my life, I wanna be able to stand before God and he says, well done, good and faithful servant. You completed the mission, mission accomplished. Everything that I gave you to do, you accomplished. Mission accomplished. And our mission is clarified in the scriptures in Matthew 5, 13 through 14. It says, you, you and I are the salts of the earth. But if the salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? It is then good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. You, you and I are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. And in 2 Corinthians 5, 18 through 20. Says all of this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us, you and I, the ministry, the mission of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us, you and I, the message, the mission of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal, pleading through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God when we become born again it is our mission to be the salt and light and ambassador for Christ in the earth you know I was saved at a very young age the age of four I remember sitting in our formal dining room on the floor staring at the royal blue carpet that was very fashionable at the time listening to my mom sharing with me how much God loved me and that he loved me so much that he sent his son Jesus to die for my sins and my place on the cross. And as she was telling me about how much God loved me and, and what Jesus had done for me, I was compelled to give him my whole heart, my whole life at the age of four. My mom was and still is an incredible evangelist. She gets everybody saved that she comes in contact with. She goes to great lengths to make sure everyone receives salvation that she knows. And i mean, seriously, if you if you sat next to a plane or on, on a plane next to my mom, it doesn't matter if you want to listen to her or not, she is gonna tell you about how much Jesus loves you for the next three hours. This woman, she works at her family grocery store and in a jewelry shop. She got someone saved in the meat locker at the grocery store. Shivering, freezing, but she couldn't help herself. And the lady was so compelled to listen to everything my mother had to say. She gave her life to Jesus in front of raw meat. My mom's an incredible evangelist. My whole life I really grew up around this atmosphere. And even, you know, my mom, so we had, my mom had eight, Oh, no, in eight years she had five children. And so and then she also didn't have her driver's license. So we spent a lot of time at home. And so what my mom did, we started a good news club at my house. And so we would go around to all the neighborhood kids and we would invite them over to the good news club. And so then my mom, we would do crafts and we would have snacks and then she would share the gospel message with all the neighborhood kids. And then they would give their hearts to the Lord. Like this is just the environment I grew up in. So from a very young age, I may not under have understood like what, what, what the actual term of being salt and light and ambassador for Christ was. But I saw it in action, I saw the real need for people to come to know Jesus as their savior. And And I understood that people needed to understand how much God loved them from a very early age. I felt a heavy burden to share the gospel from a very young age. I mean, I remember, I think I was about eight or nine years old, I would wake my mom up in the middle of the night after I'd been laying awake in my bed, just trying to wrap my head around the idea of eternity. I couldn't understand eternity, and it was so hard for me to comprehend as a young girl that people would have to spend eternity in hell completely separated from, from God because they rejected Jesus as their Savior, because they rejected the free gift of salvation. And I and I couldn't wrap my head around it, and I would be so grieved over the souls that were lost. I would wake my mom up in the middle of the night and I would sit on the kitchen counter and I'd be weeping and I would just be like, mom, why? Like, why won't people come to know Jesus? And I remember so many nights I cried over my great-grandparents, Gomer and Gomper. I, I thought that was their real name, but I didn't realize it was the first grandchild that couldn't pronounce grandma and grandpa come up with the name they will live with, with the, for the rest of their life. And so we had Gaga, Nana, Gomer, Gomer, like those were just the names. And But my great grandparents weren't saved and they really had no interest in knowing God. And I would just cry to my mom and I'd be like, well, maybe next time I go over mom, what if I say this? Do you think they'll believe? And I would try to strategize with my mom on what to say to my great grandparents. And then we would make our weekly trips over to their house and I'd sit on their floral polyester couch, and I would stare at those pink and teal flowers, trying to gain up the courage to bring up Jesus again. And every time I tried, I would be shut down time and time again. My heart was so broken for the lost at a very young age. But then over time, that once the girl that used to be so passionate about the lost became a little broken herself, and, and watching your parents go through a divorce and feeling rejection and and feeling pain and then and then trying to numb the pain and you find temporary relief in in the partying and then that led her down a path to to dating drug users and abusers and down a very dark road and 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 she became so consumed with her own issues her own pain her own rejection her own needs needing to be fixed that that Other people's souls were the last thing she had any care or concern about. And then fast forward a few decades later, there was not even a trace or salt or light in me. And it wasn't until I went to a women's conference where a woman got up on the stage. And I I went there knowing I was broken inside, but being very good at wearing the mask. Very good at wearing the mask. I went to this conference needing something, wanting to hear a word for myself. And when she took the stage, she said, the title of my message today is Souls. And the word souls came across the screen with the fancy graphics in the background. And I thought to myself, great. This has nothing to do with me. I guess I'm not gonna get a prophecy today. And I started to check out because it wasn't something that might help me. But what I realized is that was going to be the very message that helped me get the passion and the mission back in my life that God had created me to have. And so as I sat there for 60 minutes as this beautiful woman implored us, compelled us, and was was essentially appealing and begging us to pick up our mandate, to pick up our mission as salt and light and as ambassador for Christ, and and was just sharing so powerfully about what we are all called to be as believers. And I remember somewhere in that 60 minutes, I found my heart starting to soften again. And And I found my heart remembering the heart I used to have for the lost. And I remembered in that moment, even though I was still broken, I still had on the inside of me what the world needed. And that thing became ignited again in my heart. And I, and I prayed to God at that conference and I said, God, help me have your heart for the lost again. God, help me pick up my mission and my mandate as an ambassador for you. Help me to see people and where their souls are at. And that prayer... Changed my life. It changed my life. Because there's one thing, we're all, we're all created to do things, to be in government or be a school teacher or be a doctor or a We all have a vocation that we're called to and absolutely we're supposed to do these things. But all of us as believers have the same vocation as a Christian. To be an ambassador for Christ. To make disciples of all the nations. It's not for the pastor or the spiritually elite. It's for all of us. We are all called to it. So remember that prayer actually changed my life. And now it is impossible for me to come in contact with a human being and not be consumed with thoughts of how I could change the direction of the conversation to invite them to church or how can I show them the love of God? How can I plant a seed? And I understand that not every conversation is gonna lead to a salvation prayer or every conversation is gonna lead to them accepting an invitation to church, but every conversation should leave them with a good seed planted of what a Jesus follower looks like. At least it'll be a seed planted. Did you know it takes up to seven times for someone to hear the gospel message before they actually respond? So we don't know where we are at in that one to seven. We could be the first or we could be the last before they give their lives to God. And the thing is, all we're responsible to do is plant those seeds. Because the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 3, 6 through 7, I planted the seeds in your heart, and then Apollos watered it, but it was God who made it grow. It's not important who does the planting or who does the watering. What's important is that God makes the seed grow. If we become a church, if we all begin to understand our mission, our mandate to plant seeds wherever we go, I am convinced that our neighborhoods, our schools, our families, and this nation would be transformed by the love of God. It makes my heart so happy when I go to a restaurant because every waiter, every valet person, they all get an invitation to church from me. Just period, it's non-negotiable. And you know what I love so much though is when I invite them to church and they're like, oh my gosh, you're the third person to invite me to C3 this week. I'm like, yes! I'm like so proud of our church. I am so proud of you. Oh, planting seeds. Because we just have to realize that once we become a believer, once we invite Jesus into our lives, we don't just go to school, go to the restaurant, go to the park, go to the gym, go to the grocery store, go on vacation, everywhere we go, we are sent by God as an ambassador for Christ. And this is kind of how it looks like in my life. This is what I do. So I was at the gym a couple of months ago and this spunky little 76-year-old woman started chatting it up with me. And the human side of me, to be honest, I was like, I was almost done with my workout, had lots to do that day, and I just needed to finish and get home. But then I had to shut down the fleshly side of me and go, no, I know wherever I go, I'm sent by God as an ambassador. God, so help me show her your love. So she starts talking to me and I learned that she has no husband, no children, and no family in San Diego and apparently had lots of different needs. And I understood what it might take what amount of time it might take to actually show her the love of god but this is what i did she kept talking and every time i come and count have an encounter with someone i just say god give me an open doorway lord help me like just show me how i can share something about you or about, like just help me have it be less awkward like this is my prayer i'm like god help me i'm going to i'm going to do it so just just make it less awkward like help me and so so she's chatting away chatting away and she starts telling me about how she owns like six guns because she has to take care of herself because no one else is looking out for her. And she goes shooting every day to practice. And then she was telling me how, um, she's very, very spicy. And, and and then she was telling me that she always has water and a snack in her car and always a full tank of gas. Always, Becky, I always have a full tank of gas. Food in her cupboards to snap. She's always prepared for an emergency. And as she's saying how she's prepared for everything because I'm praying, God, give me an open doorway. The Holy Spirit goes, ask her if she's prepared for the after afterlife. And so I was just like, can I ask you a question? She's like, yes. I said, so you're prepared for everything here on earth. Have you ever prepared, have you prepared yourself for what's going to happen after you leave this earth? And she kind of just looks at me and she goes, hmm, no, I, I wouldn't mind if I became a dog after I died. So that right there told me no one's ever shared the gospel with her. She has no understanding of afterlife, heaven or hell. She, she had never heard. So then I, of course, I start sharing with her about what God's plan for you know, her is and all of these things. And no, it didn't, it didn't end in her giving her life to Jesus, but I ended by giving her my phone number and saying, let's stay in touch. If there's anything you need, you can call me. And I'm gonna tell you that it's been several late night phone calls just to talk because she doesn't have any family there has been times where i've had to organize her help her getting help to fix her car i was about to preach at cherish conference and as i'm about to take the stage to preach she's texting me and i'm trying to organize someone to go help fix her blinds at her house that had broken was it convenient No, but she had no she has no idea how busy my life is and I don't think she really needs to know because at the end of the day a little love affection some TLC some care is nothing when it comes to the perspective of the fact that a human soul is on the line is it inconvenient yes it usually is But at the end of the day, we can't look at it as an inconvenience when we understand that this is our calling, this is our mandate, this is our mission that we pick up when we accept Jesus Christ into our life. And yes, she did eventually accept an invitation to church after many, many times of asking. And she was so cute. She goes, now, Becky, do I need to bring a dish? Meaning, do I need to bring a casserole? I'm like, no, no, you don't. She's like, now, Becky, I don't want to be the only one empty handed. And I'm like, you're going to be fine. Just come. Like, she had no idea what she was in for. This is our mission. We are all ambassadors for Christ. And I know, I know some of you are thinking like, oh, well, Peggy, I'm not sanguine. I'm not outgoing. I'm shy. I'm awkward. I don't know what to say. I don't know the Bible that well. I don't have, what if they ask me something and I don't know the answer? Well, welcome to the club. You know? I mean, we never have all the answers. You may not be able to answer their question, but you have the answer. He lives on the inside of you, and his name is Jesus. You actually have everything they need, even though you don't always have the answer. And is it going to be awkward at times? Yes. Absolutely. 100% guaranteed. It's going to be awkward. But here's the thing. If you never use the muscle, you have no strength in it. So it's like once you just start using that muscle, you go from like super awkward, uncomfortable, stressed out, heart racing to like a little bit less awkward and just slightly sweating. And then you go, and then you go, like, oh, that wasn't so bad. Then you're like, oh yeah, I got this. And then it becomes second nature. You just have to start working out the muscle of extending an invitation. What well, what if they reject my invitation? Well. Just remember, it's not your invitation. It's his invitation. So you don't have to worry about having personal rejection. They are just rejecting the invitation for Jesus in that moment. And I think what has helped me just really in the early days especially is remembering what we're actually saving them from. Gives you a sense of urgency and boldness to share the gospel. And I know God gave me this dream that really changed how I approached every encounter with a human was that I had a beautiful friend from high school and we were best friends and we uh, roomed together in our first year of college. We were really, really close. And, but she didn't know the Lord and I knew I needed to share the gospel with her. And every time I felt the Holy Spirit leading me to share, I would always chicken out and I would back down. And I don't know if for that situation, if it was so much that I just didn't have the confidence. I think more of it with that situation was, she actually saw me in my worst. She saw me when I was in my darkest season. She saw the mistakes that I made. And she walked with me through those things, those painful experiences. And so I think it wasn't about that. I necessarily wasn't brave enough to tell her. I just, I really feel like the enemy was using shame over my past and keeping me from sharing with her out of fear that I might be seen as a hypocrite because the thing was she only saw me in my darkest hour she didn't actually see the transformed Becky because we'd actually moved in and lived lives separately but I, I saw this post and it was so powerful it says the enemy will always attack your past when he can't touch who you've become and so we have to remember to not let our past and the fact that we've made some mistakes that we've done some things wrong keep us from picking up our mandate our mission as believers to share the gospel So one night I had failed again at following the Holy Spirit's leading to share the gospel with her and I went to bed um, that night and and I began to have a dream. And my friend and I, we were actually standing at the gate of heaven in this dream and it was so beautiful. It was like this this peace you can't even describe. It was stunning. And I remember looking at my friend and I started to take steps towards the gate of heaven And as I took steps towards this beautiful gate, I heard my friend scream, this scream I'll never forget. And I turned to look at her, and I thought she would be walking with me. What had happened was in this dream, the demons had actually come up out of the ground and had grabbed a hold of my friend and started dragging her away. And in this dream, I could hear her screaming, this screeching scream saying, why didn't you tell me? at the top of her lungs why didn't you tell me is the demons were dragging her away and I tried to help my friend but I couldn't because it was too late and I remember I woke up in that state of panic my heart was beating I had tears streaming down my face and I'm like oh my gosh why didn't I tell her and so I spent the rest of that night just up in prayer knowing that next day I was gonna call my friend and I was gonna share with her about the love of Jesus and I actually called her and I was so nervous. I was so nervous about sharing the gospel with her because I was afraid I might lose the friendship over it. But when you put it in perspective, like what she could lose is so much greater than what I might lose. And so I actually shared with her the dream. I don't know if that was wisdom or discernment. I don't know. I just like shared with her the dream that I had. And then I shared the gospel message with her from like beginning to end. And, and, and she just listened. And at the end of the conversation she said, Thank you for telling me. And we ended the phone call. And I was, I was so burdened. I didn't know how she was gonna receive it. And I was so sad that at the time she didn't wanna just give her heart to Jesus right away. But I just kept praying for my friend. And I'm happy to say that years later, her and her family know the Lord, they're saved, they're in the house of God. So that was a seed planted. It was a seed planted that God made it grow. We can never shy away. We've always got to remember. We cannot shy back and stay in the shadows. We actually have to step out, shine our light, because people's souls are at stake, and it is our mission to reach them, to reconcile them to God. Amen? Amen? I wanna break down that scripture a little bit more of what it means to be the salt and the light in the earth. So Matthew 5, 13 through 16. I'm just gonna read it again. You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? It is then good for nothing to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your father in heaven. So what does it mean to be the light of the world? I mean, besides the obvious, like being a light, like we all understand darkness, turn the light on darkness flees; light always overcomes darkness. Like we get that, like stand out, shine, be awesome. You know, we, we understand that. But in this particular scripture, they're actually referring to our light as good works good works that are then seen for the purpose of having people see Jesus Christ in us, that they may in turn glorify our Father in heaven because they saw good good works in us. And so when I thought about this, all of the stories that I have are where people received an invitation to church and came to church, or all the stories I have where people on the spot prayed the prayer of salvation and got saved, I started thinking about it. The one common denominator they all have was I led with my good works. I didn't just out of the blue, just like walk up to a stranger like, you need Jesus, you know, and they get saved. Like that never has happened to me. Every single time someone gave their heart to Jesus, it was, I led with my good works. I led with my good works when I was at Target, seeing my homeless and mentally ill friend that I had just met, who couldn't afford four 99 cent items, seeing the need, understanding I'm an ambassador for Christ, asking her if I could take her on a shopping spree throughout the store, $400 later, over an egg sandwich and coffee at Starbucks, she receives Jesus as her savior. Or when, we're at our staff staff day playing volleyball and we just, it's our staff day, we wanna hang out with each other. But no, this group of young men from another state came over and asked to join in. Did we actually want them to? No, I'm just being honest, we wanted to play with our friends, but... <laughs> We we were like no 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 we are we are the salt we are the light so we invited them into our circle we played volleyball with them for hours we asked them where they're from we invested in their world what were you doing what's your plans da, 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 da. and and then we extend an invitation to church so they all come to a 5 p.m. they all make their way down on the altar call and all give their lives to the Lord. It's. The story of me hearing a stranger crying in her car in a parking lot when I am in a hurry. Is it convenient? Again, no, never. so I hear her crying so I can either walk away, she doesn't know I heard her or saw her, but I knock on the window and ask, how can I help? How can I pray? I begin to pray and prophesy, show her the love of God, invite her to church. The first one to lift her hand in an altar call is my friend that I met in a parking lot who was crying. Every single one of the stories that I have, I led with my good works. We are not saved by good works. We cannot save our way by doing good things. We are saved by grace, 110%. But we are saved for our good works so that others could see them and then glorify our Father in heaven. I think if we could, because sometimes... I feel like we, we think we have to sell people on Jesus, like the need for Jesus, like in an argument. But if we got better at showing people the love of Jesus, we would not have to sell them on Jesus. The gospel is not confusing. The gospel is not confusing. What is confusing is that we preach a gospel of love and kindness and then we show so little of it. But if we could just show love and kindness, people would see our good works and they would glorify our Father in heaven, amen? People don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. Right. I wanna take it, what it means to be the salt and light a little bit deeper, hit it from another angle maybe, on a little bit of a larger scale perspective. So when we see the term, says you're the salt of the earth. So what does that mean? Well, in the Bible, salt was used for two things. One, to enha- enhance flavor and two, to preserve food from decay. When the Bible says you are the salt of the earth, it's as if Jesus is saying you're here to preserve the earth from decay that is caused by evil and sin. So in a moment, for, for a moment, let's, let's think beyond the individual soul and understanding our need to save the individual soul from sin When we see decay, when we see darkness in areas of the earth, when we see an absence of light, could it be that as believers maybe we have actually shrunk back from being the light and being the salt in that sphere? Because if we actually believe that we are the salt of the earth, the light of the world and that we are to go into all the world and bring the truth and bring the light if we see darkness happening in our government and in politics should it not be our mission to go and infiltrate with the light and with truth When we hear the lies and perversion being taught to our children in schools, shouldn't it be that we see it as our mission to go in with the light and with the truth? When we see laws being passed that defy and contradict the word of God, shouldn't we see that as the salt and light and understand that that is our mission. It is our mission to preserve the earth from decay and destruction. So when we see darkness, when we see destruction, when we see decay, do we pick up our mandate? Do we pick up our mission or do we hide our light and shy away from speaking the truth because it's not popular, because it's not politically correct, or we may be hated, unfriended, or disliked for it? Do we shrink back or do we say, no, this is so dark because no one has stepped up? We need to step up and step into those areas of darkness, those areas of decay, that is our mission. I think we can shrink back from speaking the truth sometimes out of fear of what others may think. We've been so familiar with darkness. And especially Christians, our silence actually speaks louder than our words. And I think there's been a silencing of the lambs of God when it comes to infiltrating our government, our nation, our schools, our policies, we've shrunk back from being the salt and light. But I do believe that we are finding our voice again. We are finding our voice again because we see the price that our silence has cost us When you look at the world today, we see the price that our silence has cost us. I mean, just just looking at the one thing of identity, the confusion around that, the darkness around that, the depression around that. It's because we have shrunk back thinking that the truth has the the, the actual truth is now subjective to people's personal truth. We cannot shy away from speaking the truth. The truth in love is the thing that's gonna set people free. I truly believe that we can love people wholly, completely, and purely, but hate the lies they've believed and speak out against those things to bring the life and to bring truth and to bring freedom. We are light bearers, righteousness carriers, and we are the hope of the world. We, were the hope of the world. So where it seems hopeless, we need to go into We can't shrink back, we've got to go in. And I know I might be crazy, but I actually believe that we can still turn things around. I believe that we are turning things around. I believe that we can shift laws that have been in place for decades. I believe that we can shift things and stand up for life. I believe that our children can grow up in a world that is lighter than the one we see today. Because I believe that we are raising up a generation of Christians who understand that it's their mission and their mandate to go into all the world, reaching the individual soul from decay and destruction and reaching the bigger spheres of influence with the light and with the truth. There's such a battle over this because I, I, I would think that everyone in here would agree that we should reach our neighbors, our friends, and our family, preventing their soul from destruction. But then there's such a battle around whether or not Christians should have any influence in the bigger spheres of government, politics, and culture, and education. Why would we think that we should not invade with the light at the very core, the very root of where the decisions are made that will determine the direction of this nation towards death and destruction or towards light and the truth? Why would we ever think we are not to engage in those things? We are the light. We've gotta take some responsibility for the darkness that we see in those areas. And I am so proud of our church because we are a church that gets it. Do you know we have seven people from this church that are gonna be on ballots to be voted on in this next election. We are not some little C3 church standing by letting death and darkness take its toll. Oh no, oh no. We are waking up, raising a generation of world changers that understand the importance of going after the soul and all the spheres of culture. We're doing this. We are doing this in Jesus' name. So proud of our church. And I understand that not all of us are gonna be able to be on a ballot or run for an office or do anything like that, and I don't expect that of everybody. But one thing I do expect of us as believers is to stand up for the truth and to pray. We can pray. We may not be able to run for office, but we can pray. And the Bible tells us this promise, it's so powerful in 2 Chronicles seven fourteen. If my people, this is you and I, you guys, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sins and I will heal their land. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray. This is a promise. We have the authority to shift things through our prayers. We cannot abdicate our responsibility at the point of our prayers to preserve this nation, to preserve our children and the world that our children's children are gonna have to grow up in. We have a responsibility to go into all the world. And I pray that today All of us, every single one of us, would pick up our mandate to be the salt and light and ambassadors for Christ. And we would pick up our mandate and our mission to bring the truth to every soul, yes, but also bring the truth to every sphere of culture. We are called to this. We are called to this. We're living in exciting times. Who would have thought the day was coming where everything was about to turn around. I believe it with my whole heart. We are turning things around. We are praying every Tuesday with our men and we pray every Thursday with our women. And we don't just pray for our families and our children. And while we do pray for those things, we pray for the things that are plaguing this nation and we are seeing things turn around. And I declare right now and the word says that our prayers will not return void. And Whatever two or more are gathered, they will receive whatever they ask for in prayer. And when there is unity, God commands a blessing. So if we can get unified in understanding our mission and our mandate and being the and the light and ambassadors for Christ. You better bet that God is going to command a blessing on this nation in our lives and in our families. Amen? Amen. Let's give God a shout. I feel like we need a shout. Yes. Thank you, God. Before I end the service, I I do wanna give people an opportunity to respond to God, respond to Jesus, His forgiveness. This thought came to me this morning that I hadn't heard in a while and it says, I'd rather live like there was a God and to find out there wasn't than to live like there was not a God and to find out there was when it was too late. Thank you for tuning in, Church. We hope this message reached your heart and was one in season for you. We're eager to hear how God is moving in your world. If you have a praise report or prayer request, send us an email at online at c3sandiego.com to share. Also, to partner with us financially so we can reach people all over the world, go to c3give.com. We know you'll be blessed by your giving. Thanks again, Church, and until next time, we'll see you soon.